Aloha, all you moneymakers out there. This is Indar Lang, and I'm your Hawaii moneymaker guy. We have a fun episode today. We're going to talk about my last 10 years. I've just hit 10 years of flipping houses and doing deals. So I'm going to give you guys some 10 tips and tricks. I hate to say tricks, but 10 tips for you guys to learn about, to use with your house flipping and any kind of real estate in general. So let's do it. Let's dive on it. Let's go. Just before we get started, I'd love it if you guys could subscribe below and that way we can reach more people and just help people make their money work for them in any different way we can. Thank you guys and let's get started in today's content. So let's dive in. So today we're going to talk about some 10 tips to help you guys in flipping houses. And these are some valuable lessons I've learned a hard way, um, not willingly often, but most of the time in this business and, and growing in anything you do, you're going to stumble, you're going to fail. And I want to share you guys some things to look out for. I'll probably talk about some other side little hustle things to make sure you realize too, but uh, let's dive in. So the biggest first tip that popped out of my mind right away when I talked and started jotting down what we're going to do for this episode was biggest tip I can say don't lose money don't lose money that's that's the biggest tip. number one tip don't lose money and rule number two refer to rule number one don't lose money I mean in this business it's a risky business high risk high reward kind of business so how do you do that you have to be very conservative in when you're analyzing deals when you're looking at rental properties um, you really, really have to plan well. You really have to take the time and sit down and look at all the numbers. Be that expert in the market. When I analyze a flip, for example, I want to know everything that's sold in that, uh, that neighborhood, everything that's on the market. I want to know everything. I want to be that expert so we don't lose money. And the, the way to really do that is to be the expert and is to be very conservative. Um, you're going to start looking at deals and you're going to think, you know, could I, you know, make this much profit versus this much reward. So with that said, profit on a deal is your risk tolerance. So when I look at a deal, I look at my profit. Often I get realtors will refer to me, oh, how much profit do you want to make off a deal? And they'll start throwing, you know, throwing me deals. It doesn't work like that. Profit is your risk factor. If I'm going to do a project, buy for $2 million, sell for $4 million, and you know, have a $500,000, $600,000 rehab, I don't want to have any, any um, you know, low profits. I really want to have some really healthy profits on that, you know, five, dollars $600,000, million profits for that type of deal because a lot can happen. A market can change like it is today, changing. Um, and you can really lose a lot of money if you're not ready for that risk. So your profit is your is my I used to say my comfort zone, my cushion. Uh, my profit is you know the the risk factor tolerance. Would I do this deal? You know I can do a cheaper deal, two three hundred thousand dollar buy and sell at four five six hundred thousand with a hundred thousand rehab and so forth, and be more comfortable making forty to fifty grand on a smaller deal, depending. Um, so also a lot of factors depend on the deal too with your your comfort is the purchase price and your rehab budgets are really the big two things. Uh, you know, if you're going to do a quick turn and burn, just cosmetic kind of flip kind of thing, obviously you'll do those and make a lot less profit um, just to get in and, in and out of those kind of deals. Um, but you also got to be ready. You have enough profit in those deals to handle a shift in the market, to handle 
um, any kind of movement that may happen, you know, factoring in longer holds and so forth. So that is the biggest thing of the, I can say, don't lose money. Don't lose money. <laughs> um, and then refer back to rule number one, don't lose money. <laughs> so the next part of it all is to, you know, after understanding your be conservative, understanding your numbers, understanding, um, you know, where you act, to always, always to refer to your basics, stick to the basics, stick to the numbers, stick to the basics. Um, because what happens later on is, you know, you start to try and maybe push your limits or your boundaries. And I think that's why we've been successful for so long um, is because we've always been conservative and we stuck. We never changed. Like We didn't change, uh, be more aggressive as we got better. We didn't change to be uh, riskier or anything as we, you know, grew and got better better at this at this business and i think that's a huge factor why we've been here so long um there's been a lot of flippers i know friends and family friends um that maybe don't do this anymore or maybe do something else because they've had a bad loss or because it's um whatever it may be but the fact the 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 fact of the matter is if you are not always making money and you're not being conservative you won't last in this business so that's a huge part of it all um uh, so number one was don't lose money number two is refer to rule number one number three is to be conservative always to be conservative when you're doing this business um number four I would say is talk about yourself and talk about what you do to everybody. And I didn't learn this early on. I wish I did. But once you start talking to people, what you do, you're interested in real estate, you're looking for deals, you're looking for investors, whatever it may be. Um, in the weirdest conversations, sometimes you never know. You'll find a deal or you'll find an investor or, or partnerships, whatever it may be. But it's a weird conversation sometimes to slip in to your conversations. So start talking about what you do. Talk about um, talk about what you do and talk about to everyone because the person that you didn't expect could be your next private money lender or that person you didn't expect to talk to whose friends, uncles, auntie has a house for sale. And I've gotten deals actually that way. And I've gotten lenders that way too. So it's a little offsetting at first to talk about what you do, especially if you, you know, you're new at it. You don't do this yet. Um, but we often, at the very beginning, we had a credibility packet to show who we are. Um, we we used our partners' uh, flips and some of the work that they did. So that helped prove ourselves to when we talked to people, and especially when we started talking to investors and people. So we had that credibility packet that we still use today. Um, also. Um, you know, when I just talk to normal people about what we do, it's just a simple conversation, you know, I flip houses and people just get naturally intrigued of it all. Or, you know, I make money work for, for us and, um, you know, we're investors, whatever it be, the conversation sometimes starts rolling and steamrolling and, um, you'd be surprised guys. So talk about what you are, talk about what you do to everybody, let people know. Um, best way to get just self, um, you know, who you are out there. I heard Grant Cardone talk about this one time, is no one's going to talk about you other than you. So the best promoter of yourself is yourself. So talk about yourself. Share people, 
you know, what you do, how great you are at it. You know, um, early on, I was very shy and uh, humbled. I didn't like to share what I wanted, you know, doing. I didn't like to talk about it too much. And um, somebody coined us, um, you know, to, to start pressing and sharing what we do. And um, go ahead. I should cut it off. She's in the room. She's in there. Are you still going? No, I, she'll cut this off. Oh, I can leave it. Yeah. Oh, all right, I'll see you. <laughs> see you later. See you. See you Saturday, Sunday. Super Bowl. Um, number five is to find good deals is the key. Finding a good deal is the key. So. A lot of gurus, a lot of people talk, don't share this. The hardest part of this business is finding deals and finding money. And finding a good deal, a really good healthy deal will help solve all your problems. If you have a smoking hot amazing deal, you'll find investors, you'll find partners. If you can't find investors, you can JV it, you can wholesale it, you can do whatever it takes. So finding a good deal is honestly the hardest part of it at all, as well as the best place to start in this deal and to focus on that to finding deals, you know, making sure these are great, amazing deals. So when you have a great deal, you're able to to do a lot more. So take your time and finding great deals, especially with the market today. So you may have seen the last two years, a lot of people were flipping houses, and they thought it was easy. And and they can sell a house. When a house doesn't sell, then what? Um, so because these were not great deals, you know, if you got to lower your price point on these homes, you know, you got to be ready for that. And that's where we're at today. If you got to, if you can't sell a house at your ARV, what you anticipated to sell it for after repair value, then what are you going to do? You're going to have to either lower your price or sit on the market longer. And if you did not anticipate that, uh, we're we anticipate normally a twelve. We were at a six to eight month hold before. And now we anticipate twelve year holds, uh, twelve month holds, for all all our projects. So we anticipate that. So the deal looks good on paper with a twelve month hold, and then we look at our profits. With enough profit in there, you have room to drop the price. You have room to lower your price if you need to, or go over budgets, or rehab budgets, or whatever it may be. So you have enough profit in there to. Uh, be ready for whatever it do. So a good deal will offset any of these problems you, a lot of these uh, new flippers are having right now. I really noticed a big fall off on flippers and a lot of uh, the sexiness of flipping has kind of died down, I feel like, and um, as well as wholesaling. So, you know, if you have healthy profits, healthy deals, you can excel and keep this business going, you know, for a long term. Um, number six, do due diligence. Um, your due diligence in everything um, that you do is is really important. Due diligence on the property, due diligence in the market, and due diligence on that particular deal. As I was saying before, due diligence is really critical to know the neighborhoods, know what the, what's sold, what has sold, what's going to sell, what's expired. Um, because again, it's your money at stake. It's nobody else's money at risk. So you got to make sure you you know understand that deal. You want to be that expert. So if you know a realtor comes in and is uh, talk to me about this market or this deal, 
I want to know, um, I want to be almost smarter than that realtor. So they can, oh, this house sold down the street, but I'd be like, well, this house sold for that. Or this, you can kind of go back and forth with when you're negotiating, even with a realtor to help sell your property or buy a property. Just knowing um, the market is really critical. And it's really critical later on because then once you get that feel for knowing your markets and neighborhoods, um, you can write offers really quickly. So a lot of all of that really combines to help you excel in this in this market. Like off the top of my head, I know market prices right away, what things should sell for and what would be a good deal. So I can write an offer, you know, within seconds of what I know I should be at just relatively. So sometimes I, I write offers, you know, just based upon my, my quick knowledge of, of markets. So doing your due diligence of a market really goes a long way to everything and the due diligence part goes into other different sides of this business as we're going to talk to next is uh, number seven is to to be a master of of all professions so when you're due 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 diligence in all these different professions you're running a business guys so flipping house real estate you are in so many different avenues of 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 professions um you know Finding deal, that's called marketing. You're marketing to find deals. You're marketing to talk to their agents. Whatever you do, you're marketing. You're trying to lock up the deal. Now you're into sales. You're trying to sell, you know, you're trying to sell your, your yourself to either get that deal locked up, sell it, be an agent. You're in the sales industry. So now you're in the sales profession. So you want to be a professional at sales. Um, you know, then there's a whole transactional part of the deal where you get a deal, you're locking up, you're buying it, you're talking to agents, escrow agents, you're talking to lenders. Um, huge part of it all to me right now is always actually been is understanding the different loans and understanding different mortgages, understanding the different types of um, finances out there because often you'll be talking to a mortgage lender and now get it, this guy, this mortgage lender does this every day for 30 years straight. He's got so many acronyms and terms and so much terminology that he'll be you'll be talking to him and you do not want to miss or you don't want to misinterpret what these you know a loan officer or somebody may be saying um, because you know you're talking a lot of money here. So you're almost you have to be a professional at that. You have to be a professional at understanding mortgages and how that all works and hard money and private money and interest rates and you have to be that professional to understand that side of it all. Then you have to be a, a professional, you know, you don't really have to be a professional contractor, but it's nice to know some basics of all the traits. Really nice. Because um, I tell you what, and I thought about it this morning, no matter what in this business, if you're buying rentals, you're buying flips, you're buying, you're going to get dirty. You're going to get your hands dirty. I was unloading boxes of lights this morning at uh, one of our, our office projects. Um, so you're going to carry shit. You're going to do stuff. So it's nice to know trades. Um, early on when I was flipping, I would, you know, if, uh, somebody walked out on the job, I would jump in and finish the job for, you know, for the for that project. Um, so early on, I was diving in and doing a lot. You know, I know a lot of basics about everything. So it's very helpful, too, in construction, uh, especially when you're now next profession, construction. You're talking to the contractors. You're talking to, um, you know, plumber, electrician about this or that. Looking, 
uh, very common thing you need to know about flips. Anytime you have two beams coming together right here and there's a post coming up, you have to have a post. You have to have a support beam to 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 anchor and support all those those beams so when you're looking to take out walls you recognize oh i can't take out that wall because it needs to hold up that support beam um so you know understanding traits you know understanding what you can and cannot do in construction um is important it even saves you money sometimes when you're talking to a tradesman and you have trades knowledge you know they're not going to try and jack you in price and so forth because they recognize you have trade knowledge um and just the uh in flipping in general it's very creative very um very intuitive or very uh, i don't know how to say it. you have to sometimes figure out things and be very cost effective in it and there's no um uh, very costly could be the other way around. So you have to be creative in, in solving some problems and the trade knowledge definitely helps to understand because then you can, uh, you know, you can save money a lot by, oh, what if we just do it this way? Okay, that will work, you know, some, sometimes like that. Or, um, you know, early on, I remember early on, I would get bids, contracting bids from construction guys and they would come and walk through the house and they would tell me all their different plans and ideas of how to do this house. And I would take that plans and ideas and I would listen and I would listen intently and say, shoot, that's a good idea. I should change and do that. And then the next contractor would come through and I would spit that out and say, hey, we should do this and that. Or, um, you know, it helps you even lingo wise when you're talking to maybe a specialty trade. Um, they're going to use words and trade knowledge, um, and you'll be able to use that, you know, sweating pipe or uh, uh, understanding all the different wood uh, rafters and and um, soffits and all the different wood stuff. You can start now spitting knowledge or words to the other contractor that's coming in, maybe. Um, so all of these professions now you're becoming an expert in. And then, of course, there's the sales side of it all. And then investor raising capital and understanding all those nuances. And one of my favorite, the tax side of it. You have to be a professional tax person. Um, you have to understand the taxes and bookkeeping and and managing everything with um, with taxes and all. So there's so many different professions that you are constantly going to be learning, or if not learning, and then how to run a business. Um, that you're just you're just gonna be a master of try to become a master of, um, but what's the saying? You're master of none, jack of all, but jack of all trades, master of none, and that's what you develop when you become a business owner, especially when you're getting into real estate with all the different trades and all the different uh, nuances of it all, and um, you know it's very difficult sometimes because you're talking to professions who do it every day full time you know every day and you don't do that every day but you need to seem like you are or need to have enough knowledge to be able to um you know do well in that conversation so um and then in the next hour you're talking to a lender and uh, you have to pull up, put on that hat so definitely be a master as much as you can of all the different professions um, don't dive into the weeds too much, but just the the big stuff mostly. Um, number eight is to 
take your emotions out of the deals. So this is early on. I would, I would, I still today once in a while is some houses. I just emotionally like love that house, want to do that project, love the location, um, love the house for myself maybe. And uh, early on, I really got emotionally attached to wanting to do certain projects. And what happens is sometimes you'll you'll push it or you'll you'll you know you'll take bigger risk on that project. It's uh, you have to take your emotions out of these deals, and you have to just trust the numbers, trust um, the comps, really trust what um, your intuition is saying about the project or about the numbers, really. So emotions have to be, you know, they're great, and to recognize that you have you know emotional ties to this project, which is recognizable that hey, this might be a great uh, project to sell. You know, a lot of people will possibly like it, but. It's very important to take your emotions out of it um, in a lot of different ways. In, even from designing a house, for example, you know, I, I'm a guy. I love blue, right? I love blue colors. Am I going to go paint a house and inside of the house all blue? Probably not because I want to take my emotions out there and I want to appeal to everyone. Um, so early on, actually, before you guys seen all these crazy accent walls and these crazy accent stuff, we tried to always stay very neutral um, because, again, we want to appeal to everybody else. We didn't want to um, pigeon-toe ourselves off. We didn't want to close ourselves off um, to just one specific market. And still, I, I struggle with that today because the design world right now is getting very creative in these accent walls and uh, these really hard tones or these really hard uh, things. I don't know if you guys remember, but back in the day, I'm getting old. Back in the day, you know, remember the stainless steel was very neutral, um, very earthy tones or white. We didn't do whites back then. We did more earthy because that was all neutral palette colors. And then it allowed the homeowner to come in and spice up if they wanted to with more color, with furniture, pictures, um, different kinds of things. And now as I think we're pushing the market now or pushing our our limits and or following trends, whatever it may be, um, you know, we're getting more bolder with darker colors. Um, the accents now are required pretty much on every house if you're going to do a flip or even a rental. Um, but you, that's very emotional driven, I feel like. That's very emotional, mark, you know, trendy driven. You're trying to be trendy. You're trying to be in front of it all. Um, so that is a thing I actually struggle with today is do I want to keep neutral or do I want to keep pushing the, you know, the creativity and, and be broader because uh, what I've learned um, the hard way is that you may be selling a house and you may only have you know four or five buyers come in that really want to buy that house, but you painted it blue and the wife doesn't like blue. So she picked the house down the street that was you know neutral, neutral colors. So um, you know being, being emotional definitely is important to understand that you need to be appealing to everyone as well. You need to make these houses upsell to everyone. And then you can get bidding wars. You can get people. Everybody wants that house um, to be bid up. And I'm just using paint as an example, but there's other different things you can do in a house definitely that you know are more emotional or personal driven compared to trusting the numbers, trusting the, the masses. That's what I'm saying. You're trusting the 
the greater general of everybody, um, which is really hard to understand and do because we have our own opinions, we have our own style, we have our own, you know, who we are individually. So um, very hard to do uh, to to do that. Um, so number nine. What's number nine? Number nine is what's your long-term plan? This is important early on because when you start off, you're kind of all over the place. You want to flip. You want to wholesale. You want to get rentals. You want to do multifamily. Everybody, everybody's jumping around to all these different avenues. Um, and it's just to stick, stay focused on what you're at doing and just get good at that one thing. Uh, if you're trying to do too many different things, you know, it can work. I mean, obviously, it can do anybody can make things work. But I recommend to be the best at one thing. And then later on, you can expand and do more. But um, just to stick to your long term plan, understand your long term plan. Okay, am I going to buy some flips now use that flips to buy rentals, you know, is a good plan? Or am I just going to focus on buying rentals? Or do I want to do multi? Um, it's hard to keep jumping around and start changing it all like that because you need to develop systems you need to get the people in place you need to develop a business uh, and that's what ultimately you know helps you excel so of course you can jump to other things and but you're going to kind of start over fresh right um, but also understand what's your long-term plan are you trying to get cash flow you know are you trying to make uh, do flips you know understanding what your goals you want to wholesale so really think about what's your goal, what you're trying to do, and then work backwards um, is what I often look at is I figure out my goal and I reverse engineer it. I look backwards. What's the bottleneck to getting me to this goal? You know, so I figure out how much money I want to make, how much rentals does that mean need to make that passive income? I'm talking about rental uh, passive income um, or, you know, I if I invest my money into deals, you know, what kind of returns I need to make to help me get to this monthly net profits so reverse engineer it and look at your long term um and the last one this is number 10 it's probably a huge one for me is to value your time what is your time valued at so value your time what do you value your time at you know is your time valued at and i'm guilty of this going to home people every day and uh, you know picking up materials for your guys on the job because you're trying to keep them working you know, is your time valued at that to keep the guys running? You want to keep the guys working. You don't want them to go to Home Depot. You know, is your time valued at that? Is that the best use of your time? Or, you know, is your time better valued at growing your business, finding deals, finding investors, uh, finding more projects, finding rentals? You know, so really value your time. And I'm guilty of it all the time, too. I enjoy, I enjoy, I enjoy being in the field. I enjoy talking to contractors. I enjoy doing construction work. I actually, I mean, I don't have to do it full time anymore, but I enjoyed diving in for an hour or two. Um, I got I got stuck in the weeds this morning. We we're at our office project, just dropping off some stuff. I didn't have to be there, but I stood there for another hour, you know, looking at things, trying to figure things out, and um, I mean, probably productive a little bit, but um, I enjoyed being at construction sites. Um, so, what is your time valued at? Or my time was better being here in the office. Um, you know, taking care of a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that we need to take care of. And um, probably midway through my career of flipping houses in the last 10 years, about five years in, I recognize that very much so is that my time was better being in the office. 
Uh, I used to be on the road constantly trying to juggle, be on the road, had to, you know, the bag with me and the folder and my laptop and trying to work with the iPhone, you know, on the road and phone calls. Um, but I recognize I get more done if I'm in the office. I think my business works better when I'm in the office being more productive, forcing me to now multitask, forcing me to hire, forcing me to, um, you know, bring people in that can take care of some tasks that I don't need to so I can do more. So that's the biggest thing. For example, you know, I can I can drive to Home Depot and pick up materials and help the guys out. Or can I pay a guy 15, 20 bucks an hour to go do that? You know, is my time worth 15, 20 bucks an hour? No, my time's worth $500 an hour. You know, I'm, you know, I want to, you know, impose that on you. If you want to be a millionaire, you need to be making, it's like 400 something an hour to be a millionaire. Um, it's, what is it? It's 84,000 a month. Um, 84,000 a month, like 2,700 a week. And uh, I forget what it is a day, but um, yeah, for 84,000 a month, that makes sense. And then yeah, 2,700 2, a day, I think it is, you need to be making. 2,700 a day was, and then an hour, it's roughly about 500 an hour. If you shoot for 500 an hour, you'll be fine. <laughs> So is your time valued at $500 an hour? And I think that, is this a time task that is valued, you know, at, at a high level for me? Or is this time task better off for me to be given away to bring somebody in to do this kind of time task? Um, uh, you know, is, is my time more valuable finding more deals, building a company, sitting back and thinking to help grow the company? So... Um, you know, often actually talking about that, I, I listen to podcasts and I listen to education very much so, but sometimes now I drive and I turn off, I love dri driving. So I turn off all noise. I turn off everything and I just drive and I enjoy my thoughts and I listen to my thoughts and I actually will take notes sometimes. So my thoughts, um, are sometimes really important just as much as anything else because giving yourself time now gives you time to think and grow and to do more. So definitely, definitely value your time. What is your time valued at? I just want to take a quick second. And if you're enjoying our content, please subscribe below. I love it if you guys can leave us a review or a comment or let me know what you guys thought. I love honest feedback and I love hearing what you guys think. Segment one is our investor highlight. And this is where we have uh, questions from our audience and people out there. So we get a lot of questions and thank you everyone. Please ask questions because uh, there's no other better way to learning than to ask questions. Uh, be a student, always be a student. So get up on there and ask questions. I love answering any question. So I will message any question you have and answer you as much as I can. Um, so the question is, what is better? What is a better investment? Life insurance versus real estate. This is from Austin. Um, there's no right or wrong answer. You can make millions either way. Um, investing in um, in life insurance, you have to make money to be able to you know start paying for it. Of course, so um, it's kind of a catch twenty two. You have to have money to be able to buy life insurance, and life insurance is great. Um, you know, it's good to have, especially if you have. Uh, your high net worth earner you want to pay off this is just my opinion guys if you're a high net worth earner and you want to pay off um you know my wife i have to take care of her in case i pass away so i have life insurance for me to take care of my wife um, but i don't have it the other way around because 
you know, I'll be fine. So I think of it that way. You know, you can, if you're young, you can obviously start paying life insurance and get it cheaper as you're young compared to when you're getting a little bit older or, you know, when you get older. I have just a, a term life right now, life insurance for 56 bucks a month or something like that. Um, there is the whole, um, the whole life policies or the infinity banking and all that stuff. And I'm not an expert at this, by the way, guys. Um, but that whole side of it all, you know, you can you can basically put a money in there and you can start pull, pulling it out. So you can start loaning off of that money that you're putting into your life insurance. Um, and then once you're able to loan off of that, you can start money, that money working for you. Uh, you know, the catch-22 of it all is you can't, if you loan it, you got to pay it back, of course. And uh, the biggest thing with life insurance when you're putting into these programs, you know, you don't get it out until whatever, um, you know, 60 years old. So, uh, or 60, yeah, 60, I think it is. So you can't, you know, thinking that you're going to put this money in, be able to take it out later, uh, you know, so you have to understand that. My life insurance is just to buy properties um, and keep buying properties for my kids. And that's more my concept of buying life insurance. Um, and, uh, of course, I have a policy f uh, for now for my wife. But... Um, versus real estate or real estate you can especially here in hawaii you can take you know that 10 grand you have had and go buy a, a property a small little hole in the wall box something and get a property and live in it and let that thing go up in value it's kind of uh i think it, i think it goes up in value a lot quicker than anything else um you know anything fast it goes faster than anything else of course like the insurance you can keep paying it and it keeps building and it keeps accumulating pretty fast um you know same similar in real estate if you keep putting money into real estate it, it real estate i think goes up quicker if you have money to put into it of course but um um they're both great you should honestly both have both of them and you can make millions in doing either one people make millions selling life insurance um so you know the they're very sales guys and they're going to tell you you know what's so great about it and they're going to sell you all the thing but ask them if they have real estate so um i think they're both great but uh, i'm a real estate guy uh last part of it all is our last segment is normally we do a deal highlight of the week but today we're going to talk about our deal of the week is our real estate mastermind we have a waikiki high regency coming up we have our mastermind coming up at the regency We've had over 130 people signed up. I think the room's only big enough for 100, but we're expecting no shows. So we're going to try and get about 150 people um, just so we have standing room and so forth. Try and maximize this space. Um, super excited. Um, it's There's only a couple days left to really sign up. It's, it's, um, it's going to be on February 17th, and we have uh, some amazing speakers. Uh, a mentor slash friend of mine, Jay Bergana. He's a he's one of our guest speakers. I've known him for a while, and just I look up to the guy and I, I admire everything the guy has to say. He's a extremely just intelligent, smart person. Um, knows everything from real estate to buying businesses to um, you know scaling and selling companies. So 
definitely a beast in the industry. Uh, my great friend Alex Camacho, truly a great friend of mine. I've uh, been friends with Alex for a while now. We we go back and forth and rewrap all the time what's working, what's not working. I'm definitely, you know, I've had many brainstorming storming sessions with him. Um, and he's a he's a pillar in the industry. Everyone knows him. I know you guys all love him. He's an amazing person, very high energetic person, great at building teams, great at um, building a company, and great at systemizing and living his you know life on his own terms. And he's just a really great guy that understands flipping and so forth. And then uh, we have Miss Beautiful Zasha. She's from Maui. She's got a great following. I'm sure if you guys have not been living on a rock, you all know who Zasha is. She's just a, a great person. She's been in real estate for a while. She's got multifamily. She's got some single family rentals and does flipping. And now I think she's into the, uh, syndicating some properties and so forth. So she's great. I'm sure you all follow her on her social media. She's got a really great social media platform. And she's just a great person. So we're extremely happy to have the event. We're going to do it more of an educational style, a speaker, um, uh, what, what would you call it? A, not a classroom style, but a, um, I'll be asking them questions. Um, some of the questions are from you guys. Some of the questions are at more high level. We're going to try and make this more a high level kind of type of meetup to really try to uh, scale and help you guys grow. Uh, we have some things to give away to you guys. We have some uh, announcements to make. So um, we're excited about having the event. And it's really for you guys to help give back to you guys and to share with you, um, you know, to, to learn and grow because um, I think there's so much for all of us out there. So super excited about that. So get ready for that. Um, but thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being on the podcast today. Super excited to just share my experience, strength, and hope with you guys. And please like and follow and comment for more. Message me. I love the comments. I love the questions because it only helps us both grow to be- get both grow better. So please like and follow Indar Hawaii and all the social media plas- platforms. I N D A R. I-N-D-A-R-H-A-W-A-I-I on Instagram, YouTube, Shorts, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Go for it all. Just message me and I'd love to join with you guys. Thank you guys. Have a beautiful day. Aloha.